You're listening to Business in Bloom, a podcast for creatives and a home to honest conversations about the ups and downs of running your own business. I'm your host and creative business coach, Anna Dunleavy, and we'll explore topics on self-belief, creativity, and what it means to run a business on your own terms. Hello, and welcome back to episode 87. Today's guest is Kerry Monroe, who runs Minds First, which is a mental health and mindfulness business helping to calm busy minds. And I chat to Kerry about her own journey to finding mindfulness, the difference between mindfulness and meditation, and the benefits of weaving mindfulness into our day-to-day life. So let's jump straight in. Hi, Kerry. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Why don't we start with you introducing yourself and just telling us a little bit about yourself? Hi, yeah, sure. Okay, so um, I'm Kerry. Um, I'm a mindfulness teacher and I run a small wellbeing business called Minds First. So I teach mindfulness groups, um, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, various groups and workshops, um, as well as working one-to-one with people um, and kind of moving slowly a little bit more into kind of what I used to do in the NHS so my background is uh, mental health occupational therapy so I'm hoping to introduce more of that into Minds First um, in terms of working one-to-one with people looking at their well-being holistically looking at their occupations their activities their roles and routines um, and their environment so kind of looking at a person's entire life and how their mental health is perhaps impacted by those things or how we could use some of those things to help improve a person's mental health. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, that's really interesting, obviously, that that's kind of your background from, you know, in the NHS and, and how you want yeah. to bring that into your business now. But I guess to go back a little bit, why yeah. mindfulness and what kind of led you to um, wanting to work in that kind of area, I guess? Yeah, so it definitely comes from a personal journey of of my own mental health so I was first introduced to mindfulness um, when I was having therapy uh, quite a few years ago now Um, so I've kind of had experiences with both depression and anxiety and I was introduced to mindfulness as, as like a tool or a practice that would maybe help support my mental health and then it just grew from there really so I where did it start I started with 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 the Headspace app um, using that but I must admit when I was first introduced to mindfulness I saw it as like a bit more like a panic button so I'd I'd put on a little recording when I was feeling really overwhelmed but then over time my practice has grown more into a I suppose what would you call it more like a maintenance or just an ongoing um, practice so I don't just do it when things are bad if anything I'd, I'd say I find it probably like most people, much more challenging to do when you are struggling. So I tried to make it just part of my like daily routine. So yeah, it definitely came from personal experiences. And then when I started to experience the benefits for myself, my passion for it obviously grew. Um, I started reading books on mindfulness, understanding it much better. And then I decided that I'd really like to share that with others. So so I went on to train to to teach mindfulness. And I feel like it's it's certainly not like a um there's not an end point I, I guess like with most most areas of work or, or people's passions there's still lots more and I hope to do do further training and just keep using it as a way of 
helping people to kind of look after their mental health basically yeah and I, th- I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that obviously and I think perhaps a lot of people will fall into the category of using things like man- mindfulness or meditation or any kind of tools like that when they are really struggling and coming yeah. to it when we hit that low but actually it's it's a lot more perhaps um helpful when we create it and, and create a kind of a practice rather than kind of coming back to it when we when we do really struggle definitely I think it's like anything in life we tend to um we tend to have to reach rock bottom with various things before we do something about it and my passion with Minds First is to help encourage inspire teach people to use these practices like you say as an everyday thing rather than just when people are struggling because ultimately I suppose the I was about to say goal, but generally I don't like using that word. It's quite, it goes against quite a lot of mindfulness things, but for the purpose of this. So the the goal is almost to help prevent people to not reach rock bottom, isn't it? So I suppose what I'm passionate about is working with people much earlier on in in the hope that they don't reach, you know, thinking of my own mental health journey, I've I've reached some, some real lows and some real challenging times. And I'd like to educate people, ideally from quite a young age as well, to use mindfulness from the beginning so that maybe it prevents them from really struggling with their mental health. And I'd love to dive into kind of you starting your own business, Minds First. How did that come about? Because you're, like you said earlier, your background's in, well, you've worked in the NHS uh, as an occupational therapist. How does that, how did it all start, I guess? And what kind of led to the decision to start your own business? Yeah, so there was definitely a few things. So basically, for me, working in the NHS, whilst I I enjoyed it in, in many ways. Um, so basically, I, I knew I wanted to work in mental health. So obviously, the, the first thing you think is to work in mental health services for the NHS. That's what I did out of uni. Um, and I did enjoy it, but I had quite a bumpy road with it, if I'm honest, um, because of having to manage my own mental health. Um, and I know a lot of mental health workers feel the same way because ultimately what drives people to work in mental health is usually personal experiences or perhaps a family member or something. So it's something that people go in for, go into because they're so passionate and they care. But sadly, the environment of our mental health NHS services, I would argue, isn't supportive of staff's mental health. So by that, I mean, we're understaffed, under-resourced. Uh, there's huge waiting lists often expect to work in quite a fast pace I know certain services um, like IAPT improving access to psychological therapies so CBT they've got very high targets so yeah based on those things the environment the lack of staff the pace sadly those things ultimately were impacting my mental health and I've bounced around a lot with the NHS so I've I've kind of I have gone back several times um but recently very recently actually I have um decided to leave my part-time NHS job um and I'm going to try and just yeah go ahead with Minds First as as a full-time business but that that certainly drove my sorry I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there but in terms of 
what led me to starting Minds first. It was ultimately because I still really wanted to work in mental health. I still really wanted to help people and do what I was passionate about, but in a way that was supportive of my mental health as well. And that also ultimately fits more with my values. So in terms of patient care and what I think people need and would benefit from, sadly, there were restrictions on that in the NHS because of all those things I mentioned. So I think I'll... I can offer what I want to for clients and also support my own mental health by working for myself, basically. Yeah, no, I can completely understand that the kind of challenges that the NHS is facing at the moment are yeah. many. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and obviously it, it's perhaps not surprising to many, I don't know, but it, it's it's a shame, isn't it? That particularly in, in the area that you specialize in that mm. the help still isn't there for their own staff um but that, that's a that's a topic that's <laughs> perhaps going off a little bit and and it's a yeah a much broader kind of issue I'd imagine yeah yeah um, yeah but um yeah I'm curious whether we can talk a bit a, a little bit about how we can support ourselves when we do run our own business because obviously like you said you've kind of been dipping in and out of um having part-time employment with the NHS previously yeah. full-time and then kind of running your business alongside that yeah have you noticed any challenges that perhaps as a you know self-employed person or someone who runs their own business um that you might come up against is there anything that stands out to you that maybe personally or for others that you know of um that people kind of potentially may struggle with definitely I think what I'm learning more and more is that there's challenges with both isn't there with with self-employment and with employment so I think in terms of being self-employed um maybe just because for some reason this is how it's coming up in my head but in terms of the benefits obviously you can be much more flexible with your time um you can work at your own pace a bit more um, and you have more creativity and choice, which tends to lead to greater levels of like job satisfaction and, and, and enjoyment. Um, but obviously with, with that flexibility, not having, you know, sort of a strict structure or, or, or a manager, um, obviously the, the challenges are that it relies on you and only you, A, to do everything, or certainly at the early stages of a business, um, but also to manage your own time and to prioritise, to be organised, to decide what you should work on. So I think if you're not careful when you have so much time, and this is definitely something that I'm only just uh, probably learning about more recently now that I've gone fully self-employed, is that when you run your own business, especially when you're so passionate about it, you could theoretically just not stop working because mm. it's something that you enjoy. So thinking about what time you finish at night, I think is important for your well-being. Um, making sure you prioritise all the things that help your mental health. So I guess for me, um, thinking about things like exercise, my sleep routine, daily mindfulness and meditation what I eat connecting with others obviously I think another challenge of looking after your well-being when you're self-employed is it can be quite isolating mm-hmm. uh, and we all know that connecting with others is vital and really important for, man- for our mental health so reaching out to other self-employed businesses has been something that I've personally found really 
helpful understanding that everyone's going through the same struggles so that sense of um oh gosh what's the name it's slipped from my mind but in self-compassion common humanity so knowing that other people are feeling exactly the same way is really helpful so yeah I'd I'd say but I suppose my yeah advice for looking after your well-being when you're self-employed is thinking about the healthy habits that you want to adopt and how you can maintain them routine but but having there's a lovely phrase um I'm sure you've heard of Matt Haig and maybe read some of his books but he speaks about having a routine that's baggy enough to live in and that's something that's always stuck with me because I'm somebody that likes routine but also hates it so so I I like flip between giving myself a too hard time if I make it too strict versus not having any routine whereas I think I've got a lot better more recently at just making a routine that's baggy enough to live in so it's okay if it sometimes slips up or if you move it around a bit yeah I really love that actually that's a really great phrase um to kind of use and remind yourself of because I think and it's actually something that I was just talking to Adam my husband uh about the other day there's a book called Miracle Morning and um, you may have come across it before I'm not sure um no no I'll look into it well yes do but I think so the overall message is that you know um in order to be successful I mean it's I mean I'm you know paraphrasing a little bit but in order to be successful Mm -hmm. we want to create a solid morning routine where we wake up super early we dedicate some time to reading to exercising to doing mindfulness to whatever else and actually you know journaling all the good stuff which in in and of themselves that these things are really good for us I'm sure that they'll be beneficial but it's it's coming back to that phrase that you just said you know creating a routine that's baggy enough to live in yeah by creating a very rigid routine we take away that um ability to kind of move around and shift things around when maybe one day we wake up and don't actually feel like doing any of those things definitely or or our mental health is is you know we're struggling that day and actually what we could really do with is going to meet a friend for coffee or going for a long walk or you know so I think it that's actually probably one of the key things within it's it's a difficult thing isn't it it's finding that balance the balance (laughs) Um, definitely yeah uh, something that was coming to mind when when you were speaking just then is what I like two of the things I like the most about mindfulness is that one based on what we were just saying um is like you said some mornings you might you will feel different to other mornings so having a really strict routine won't always work but having that level of self-awareness so knowing what you need what's going to be the best thing for you and that's something that we always harp on about and teach within mindfulness so by stopping and tuning into your body tuning into your thoughts your emotions you can then consciously recognize how you're feeling and then consciously decide what do I need to best take care of myself so Mm -hmm. mindfulness really helps us I think with routines habits and the way we look after our well-being and then the other thing that came to mind when you were speaking is around self-compassion so on those mornings where it all goes tits up and we don't you know we we don't do our journey our meditation if we beat ourselves up for that chances are we'll feel worse and make more unhealthy decisions throughout the day I have definitely done that countless times whereas now 
I've really noticed probably the biggest benefit of mindfulness for me actually has been self-compassion and a huge increase in that. So I no longer beat myself up in the same way or not half as much as I used to. And that's actually then had a, um, you know, there's been a direct correlation between being the healthiest I've ever been. So whether that's due with exercise, eating better, I've noticed that self-compassion helps us to actually maintain the healthy habits, if Mm. that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. But I guess some people, and and that was kind of a question that popped up for me, is how do we know, so on the morning when you don't feel like doing the things that Mm. may make you feel better, yeah, it's finding finding like is this an excuse sometimes maybe and not wanting to kind of go for a walk even though we know we will feel so much better if we do go it's like finding the the answer for ourselves obviously no one can tell us really what the right choice is and maybe there isn't it's not as black and white as that perhaps it's not you know yeah it's a fine balance isn't it yeah Yeah. because like you say sometimes if we just go on how we're feeling it might be well I'm too tired I'll just press snooze 10 more times so it definitely is the balance between maybe recognizing that sometimes we have to do the things um that we don't feel like doing because we we know we've got that gut feeling that actually we'll feel better afterwards Mm. versus Mm. when things feel really you know for whatever might come up and we just know that we need to do something different so I suppose maybe the one thing I'd say it maybe sort of the answer we're looking for here is it's not about not doing anything but on those difficult days it might just mean shifting things up or moving things around so like you said you might call a friend um whilst you're on a walk because you need that extra support or you might uh meditate later in the day because you just want to get on with your day or you know I suppose it's just being flexible isn't it but like you say being really mindful of not always listening to what our body feels like because I don't know about you but for me that might often mean well just don't do anything Mm, well that's the tricky thing isn't it and particularly in winter months um yeah you know we're recording on the first of February it's we've just had a very what's felt like a very long January um and and that can be hard you know vitamin d is lacking so in terms of our energy generally we're probably dipping a little bit anyway so actually making those more healthy choices of like going out and and doing those things can be can be tricky but but, and i guess going back to what you said though it's it's coming back to that self-compassion of finding yeah just not making it into another thing that we kind of beat ourselves up up um yeah yeah for because but that because that doesn't ever solve anything <laughs> no doesn't ever help does it exactly it just makes us feel worse and then when we feel worse we're more likely to feel for example more tired more you know frustrated and stressed and then we turn to unhealthier choices more more often so yeah I think self-compassion is is definitely the key ingredient to help us with looking after our well-being um, especially like you say in the winter months yeah Mm, yeah yeah definitely winter is um hard for many I think yeah to to get through um so I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about mindfulness as a whole but I guess it's a topic that's kind of has been talked about quite a lot um uh, mindfulness in general 
But I think this sometimes can be a little bit of confusion. Like, is it the same as meditation? What kind of, what is mindfulness really? Um, and what does that look like? Um, Definitely. Yeah, I, I think, do you know what? It's a question that, that always gets asked because the phrases mindfulness and meditation are used kind of interchangeably all the exactly. time. Yeah. And I think that adds to the confusion, but I must admit, <laughs> I'm guilty of doing it myself. Um, and I think the reason is, so so I suppose to break it down, they are different in the way that meditation is a practice and kind of through this practice, we can develop mindfulness so often people meditate because that's a way of practicing mindfulness. We can reach a mindful state through meditation. But equally, we can practice mindfulness or we can be mindful with lots of other activities and the way we do things. So meditation is kind of more of an isolated thing that you go and do. So you might sit down for 10, 20 minutes and it's like a dedicated time of your day that you're pausing, usually stopping, usually quite still. Um, do you know what I mean? Whereas mindfulness, you can do actively. So a lot of creative people, when they're painting, for example, they can feel that that's quite a mindful activity. Yoga, mindful movement, going for a walk in nature, as long as we're taking in our surroundings and aware of our body and our different senses then we're practicing mindfulness so mindfulness I suppose is more uh, flexible and can be found in lots of different things whereas meditation is is quite a set thing that we do when we usually sit down to meditate or lie down to meditate yeah I recently sense. did um mindfulness for self-compassion course actually and and one of the things that we talked about was finding mindful moments in throughout the day and it yes. can be as simple as you know making a mindful cup of tea um yeah exactly <laughs> and and just really paying attention to all of our senses so you know as the kettle is boiling listening to that yeah. um sound the feel of the cup in your hand all of those things that we can it, and it doesn't necessarily need to take long does it it can be kind of scattered throughout the day rather than like you say kind of meditation where it's a little yeah. bit of a more dedicated kind of space and time I think people often almost get a bit scared of 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 you know how can I fit meditation in because it's something extra in their day but like you just said you can bring mindfulness into everyday activities that you're already doing so you're not having to find extra time um you're just bringing an awareness like you say to your five senses and then you can make everyday activities whether it's brushing your teeth having a shower having a cup of tea um a mindfulness practice so that's like the beauty of it and I'd also argue that whilst formal meditation you know has lots of benefits and there's been lots of research on that but I think sprinkling in moments of mindfulness throughout your day is also really beneficial because then you're kind of topping up I sometimes see it as like mm. topping up your mindfulness levels throughout the day so it's not just like a 20 minute isolated meditation and also on that point actually there's a lot of uh, research around the benefits with mindfulness are far greater if you do little and often rather than say one 45 minute meditation a week so it is much better to do little and often yeah and speaking of benefits I guess I'm curious whether there's anything in particular that we can that mindfulness can give us what are the kind of key benefits yeah so there's 
lots of benefits um obviously the area that got me into mindfulness personally and in my professional um career is is around mental health so thinking about the ways that it helps to reduce stress anxiety or not necessarily you read a lot where it says reduce but for me in my personal experience I feel it changes my relationship to those things so I think I'm a person that's still quite vulnerable or has quite a high uh, sensitivity to stress and anxiety um however mindfulness has helped me to change my relationship to those feelings so uh, rather than kind of resisting or fighting against it or beating myself up for having those emotions I'm more able to work with them and in that sense they don't have or they certainly don't feel like they have as much control over me as they used to so certainly, yeah, uh, helping with anxiety, stress. And then there's huge amounts of research around depression, specifically mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. So that's an eight-week program that I teach. And that's uh, specifically designed for people that experience recurrent episodes of depression. So they're sort of well for a period of time and then they relapse and their their depression kind of keeps coming back. So mindfulness has been found to help reduce the likelihood of relapse or the severity of the relapses. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of other benefits, so sleep, mindfulness can be really helpful for improving sleep. Again, from a personal uh, perspective, I use um, mindfulness at night to help me sleep. Sleep is something that I struggle with. um, So mindfulness is helpful it helps increase our awareness that's I suppose earlier I think I, I missed something when when you're asking me kind of what is mindfulness to, to put it simply I always tell people it's just the practice of awareness so whether that's awareness of your thoughts your body your feelings your surroundings you are practicing being more aware being more conscious and more aware so when we think about the benefits if we're more aware of how our body's feeling let's take maybe physically for an example so if we're noticing that we're getting lots of headaches or stomach aches we're probably then going to check in and try to figure out why that is or look at ways that we can reduce our stress and see if that helps those physical ailments so I think it it significantly helps both our mental health and our physical health because we're more in tune to when our body's trying to speak to us often when we're busy and living on what we refer to as kind of autopilot we don't notice these signs that our body is trying to tell us. So when we think about things like stress and burnout, often before someone reaches rock bottom, they'll be getting headaches, stomach aches, struggling to sleep, maybe their appetite has increased or decreased. There's loads of warning signs that our body very, you know, in, in a clever way gives us. But when we're not aware, we we don't notice those things. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a huge a huge benefit um, of mindfulness. I could keep going on. I don't know how many, how many more benefits you want me to talk yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, it's, I mean, I think for most listeners, you know, everyone will be kind of aware of the general kind of wide ranging benefits, I guess, actually, yeah. from what you've just said as well, that it's it kind of filters through into all areas of our life, actually. So it's not just a kind of immediate, perhaps, help that you you mentioned, you know, mental health problems but actually maybe things like how we sleep and and general well-being in terms of how we feel maybe even physically as well um on a yeah. day-to-day basis um but I love that description of it being just a yeah a practice of kind of 
awareness um and increasing awareness of yeah yeah what's going on internally and, and our surroundings as well um, definitely and and I think when we think about awareness and, and, and mindfulness it doesn't just impact us so it's very much when we're more aware of ourselves we're or when we develop those skills we're also going to be more aware of our interactions with other people so when we think about our relationships I think there's um a lot of benefits around kind of our understanding of other people maybe being more accepting of um people's flaws and imperfections being more patient uh more curious towards people's behaviors and actions so that we can maybe be less reactive and instead Mm. try to understand them um so that can you know improve I think or or make um our close relationships um a little bit easier to manage because we're going to have a bit more understanding that you know we, we won't always get it right and how can we be more self-compassionate towards ourselves, but then the way that that helps us to be more compassionate towards others as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point that actually, yeah, in in doing the work for ourselves and, and being more compassionate towards ourselves and more understanding, I guess, yeah. in doing so almost, maybe not automatically, but almost kind of um, as a byproduct, we're more understanding towards other people's actions and like you yeah. say less less reactive when things do arise as well definitely and and even if because at the end of the day even if we practice mindfulness we're, we're all still human so oh, I yeah something, <laughs> something I notice um if I do you know find myself in in a little bit of an argument with with um I've, I've recently gone to a fairly new relationship relationship so if I get into an argument with with my boyfriend then I I feel that mindfulness helps me to then reflect on what happened afterwards as well. So it's not just about making us less likely to react, but it's also about how we communicate after having a disagreement or an argument. And I think I really feel the benefits of that. I think you can be more forgiving. I think you can let things go more easily. I think you can have a want and a desire to understand what just happened like what led us to reacting in that way and 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 then you're more likely to you know reduce it happening again or or reduce it getting more kind of severe or yeah yeah and also I suppose in a way being more aware um helps us to maybe you know understand that maybe sometimes we're at fault too and, and then oh 100 percent definitely <laughs> and, yeah. and apologizing yeah. when that's needed whereas I think yeah. going back to what you said and, and when we're on that or in that autopilot mode very yeah. busy day-to-day stuff's constant and yeah. and um full it, it's it's yeah. harder than to takes a bit of an effort doesn't it to actually stop and kind of like you say just become aware and analyze a little bit Definitely, definitely. I th- I think we're yeah we're more likely to to say sorry and like you say not- notice our own. We, we we all make mistakes all the time and and that's okay. And when we're more forgiving of ourselves, I really do think that helps us to be more forgiving of other people. So it it really does have an impact on on our relationships. Yeah, yeah. And and bringing it back to kind of work and and business related stuff. Actually, you know we have relationships with our clients and we're not always going to see eye to eye or perhaps we will receive an email that is challenging you know from time to time we will all come across those kind of scenarios where 
something yeah. isn't quite how we'd hoped it would turn out perhaps and and actually yeah actually finding or mindfulness in general can be really helpful in order to not react super quickly and be like you know just not in a way that you would have normally have responded perhaps <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> um, taking a minute to reflect and and you know regroup um yeah yeah before yeah. drafting a response is always uh, a good idea <laughs> yeah and it's funny because even as you were speaking I was thinking of um, a recent scenario where I definitely had some automatic reactions but I think like you say it, mindfulness is never going to stop us from um having those automatic reactions but what it does is it can give us like a little bit of a buffer like you say before we respond or or even if we slip up and we respond through emotion we can at least then apologize or reflect and and generally things I think don't build up or or turn into something that they it's just making sense that they don't need to because we yeah they're not bigger than yeah, yeah they're not bigger than they yeah yeah I know what you mean I think um I think but highlighting what you said earlier actually that we are all human and of course we will react with emotion yeah perhaps often you know and that's yeah, not yeah, a bad yeah. thing it's just no. yeah it's it's navigating all of that yeah. as well as we can I guess <laughs> yeah. The, yeah yeah the thing we're yeah. aiming for Definitely. And I, and actually, another point that just came to mind is, I suppose you've sort of got mindfulness in action. So these sort of interactions that we're thinking about and how we respond on a day to day basis and how mindfulness can support us with that. But actually, when we are looking after, I suppose, bringing it back more to kind of our overall well-being and how mindfulness supports us, we're probably more likely to be living in a way where we are happier and more content with what we're doing so we're probably going to be less reactive and less stressed anyway so you can sort of use it in the moment but also if you're living more mindfully and therefore you're more aware of what you want in life how you want to live what job you want to do you're probably actually going to be happier and more content and therefore you know how we were talking earlier about being on autopilot when you're just really stressed and everything bothers you because you're just you're you're experiencing such high levels of stress on such a regular basis that's when you know people naturally are more snappy for example so it helps us in the bigger picture but also in those day-to-day moments if that makes sense yeah no it does completely and I'm wondering just going back to full-time self-employment with the business are there any things that have come up for you that you've noticed in terms of managing your own well-being is there something that you perhaps didn't think would happen or yeah any surprises is there anything that you kind of think actually I need more of this in in my day-to-day or yeah is there are there any kind of surprises for you as you've moved into that full-time role now I think I mean if I'm really honest it's it's very early days um so I'm only in my first week of um of not having my part-time NHS job but but I already know you know from from doing this part-time anyway beforehand is that yeah that there are challenges that I notice specifically around routine I would say so I use the habit tracker um, and I have done for a while which I find really really helpful um and on that I'm sort of introducing new habits now that my week is looking a bit more 
the same so I don't have you know part-time in the NHS anymore so theoretically my mornings can roughly look the same so I think if I'm not careful I'm somebody that can have no routine very easily and sometimes I'll justify it because I'll think yes but I can do things when it feels right and I can be creative at different times of the day and and I do I do believe in that but I also recognize for my mental health and my well-being there are certain things that help me if I do them first thing in the morning so I think being really mindful of how I um develop um a routine throughout the morning and not just the morning so I don't know if you find this but if you're having like an admin day and and you're and you're working at home before you know it you can you could have just been at home for the entire day and not really left or seen anyone so yeah yeah I think being mindful of like I said I can't say I've got this yet myself but nipping out for a little walk partway through the day not just in the morning connecting with people so um I know we did um a bit of a virtual writing session the other week and I think doing things like that for me will be really vital in terms of my motivation helping me to get things done and connecting with others so that it's not as isolating because I think yeah that's not helpful for our mental health yeah, well, this I think that's one of the biggest challenges actually working. I mean, anyone who works from home, obviously, whether you're employed or self-employed, I guess, would have come up against those challenges. But it yeah. can, whilst I personally have worked from home for years now and I really do love it, yeah, there are yeah. sometimes parts where I kind of I can go for weeks without really interacting with a huge amount of people unless it's like Instagram DMs which isn't which is great (laughs) but obviously that's not quite you know the kind of human to human connection that we need and so actually yeah recognizing that that is actually a need in some capacity it doesn't have to be often and working out that kind of frequency and what it is that you specifically need you know if you're an extrovert of course that's going to be more if you're an introvert not so much perhaps but yeah, finding that balance because I think, like you say, it, it can actually really impact our well-being. And I think it's it's get again coming back to awareness. It's getting to know yeah. what works for you, for what you. doesn't, yeah. and what you specifically need. Um, but I Definitely. guess mindfulness as a whole will help with that. Being kind of yeah. mindful of all of that. Definitely, because what what's right for one person won't be yeah for the next. And and just a point on when we were thinking about sort of working at home and, and what we need I know the, the other thing that helps me I sometimes as silly as it sounds forget to do it even though I know it helps me um it's changing my environment so if I go for example to sit in a coffee shop for the afternoon and do some work from there or use a co-working space that can sometimes just mix things up and, and help my my sort of mood and motivation so I think yeah uh, thinking about your environment it's a very OT thing as well going back to my roots of occupational therapy looking at someone's Mm. environment is is really key when we think about well-being yeah and actually sometimes you don't even have to go to a coffee shop you can literally go into you know if you have a home office or a place that you work moving to the sofa or moving just changing room (laughs) no I do that quite a lot yeah definitely definitely. but it does it does actually have a yeah it does make a difference or yeah, like I say, yeah. you know, even popping out for five minutes just to refresh and kind of connect again, because when we busy, yeah. you know, particularly when it is kind of computer based work, you're very focused and not always present, I guess, in a way that you can be. And and I think as well, I don't, I don't know if you find this, but running like a small business, you 
you have so many decisions to make all by yourself <laughs> a lot of the time and you also have whilst the flexibility is amazing and, and that you know I feel like the possibilities and the, the decisions you can make are endless which is very exciting you can think oh I can put this on or this on but it also can leave you feeling quite frazzled because there's just so many little decisions so I notice you know, when we were talking about having a routine that's baggy enough to live in, if I'm feeling completely frazzled, it happened to me yesterday. It wasn't my normal lunchtime at all, but I was like, I can't, I wasn't getting anywhere with the decisions I was trying mm-hmm. to make. And my mind felt frazzled. So I did just shut my computer down. Like I just walked away from it and ended up having an early lunch break. And just, yeah, I think, I think you need to be flexible because if you force it's quite a mindful thing as well um there's a saying that we teach which just says resist equals persist so the more we we resist something the more it will persist and I think we can apply that to our working routine if we're trying to force something to happen it 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 really won't happen so we're better to be flexible and and take a break if we need to or change what we're doing for example yeah yeah and we've all sat there procrastinating for hours and not actually yeah. getting anything done so. exactly exactly yeah I think we know that all too well <laughs> yeah or the dreaded scrolling on Instagram <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um okay so I guess to kind of wrap up um if there was one tip that you could give your younger self what would it be oh I feel like I'm gonna find this hard to think of just one <laughs> there's lots <laughs> you're gonna have to go with the first one that comes to mind <laughs> Oh, okay. The, oh, it links to so many others, but the first one that's coming to mind is to not be as self-critical. So to just be nicer to myself. Yeah, that's such a big one, isn't it? Definitely. It's something that I'm kind of working on with. Yeah. Um, our son. He's um, yeah, he's already kind of showing signs of of being quite self-critical, and it's uh, yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to see, and obviously, I know it you know I know I was exactly the same when I was growing up and if I could go back and say yeah don't do that it's not it's not worth it (laughs) I know I think it goes to show we're 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 hardwired aren't we we are hardwired to be self-critical um so it's definitely a skill and a practice that I think needs to be taught and needs to be um yeah uh children need to be made aware of that from quite a young age because otherwise if we are left if we leave our minds to sort of their own devices they will naturally be self-critical that's just the Mm. way they work so I think it is yeah a really important conversation and 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 practice to start teaching yeah to raise kind of awareness that that is just like you said earlier common humanity in the sense that we all experience that um but interestingly and, and I won't go into it now but you know how much of that is a cultural um yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. cause or, or versus yeah. the kind of more natural that's that's an interesting the external influences question. definitely yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So a whole other talk. podcast episode exactly yeah. <laughs> exactly um okay well thank you so much for your time today where can people find you Oh, thank you. It's been really good. Um, so my website, mindsfirst.co.uk and Instagram at minds.first. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. I don't use those quite as much, but yeah, uh, my website and Instagram are, are the best places to find me. And for anyone local to Nottingham, um, so I'm about to start running um, kind of quite an informal mindfulness drop-in type group uh, in Sherwood. So feel free to pop along to that. <laughs> Yeah, so weekly mindfulness um, sessions that are just kind of, like you say, drop in. 
yeah. um, anyone who wanted to kind of find a bit of pause in the week yeah I think it's 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 a bit of a mix so um it's not just mindfulness there'll be other relaxation strategies um and and some breath work and just kind of tools to help like you say help people pause look after their mental health reduce stress and anxiety but it's much more I think for people that haven't tried mindfulness or meditation it's it's a way of giving it a go perhaps before you commit Mm. to like an eight-week course for example so it's yeah hopefully just a nice way of trying it and and a regular thing that you can do in your week to break it up and and to take care of your mind. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing and thanks for coming along. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be so grateful if you could share it with friends. And if you can, please consider leaving a review. I'll be seeing you soon.